0: Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Come on, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. Amen, amen. Hey, uh, before I jump into my message, uh, the Lord just gave me a couple of prophetic words, and I just want to share them this morning. Uh, Fernando, as we were in worship, and uh, God uh, pointed my attention towards you, He just He just spoke to my spirit and said, "You are a runner. You are a man who will run." and uh, the scripture that came to me was Isaiah 40, verse 31. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And that's you. You will run and you, are, you have this tenacity. You have this spirit about you. You are a runner for the Lord. You are going to go and you are going to do mighty and great things. I actually got tired in my spirit when I thought about you running and me trying to keep up with you. And so, amen, amen, amen. Uh, and... Judith, if you could come up, I want Judith to come up here. I know I don't do this often, and I know that you know it can be embarrassing and things like that. But you know, the Lord does what He does, and when He tells me to do something, I have to. Get right up on the platform. Yeah, I know you don't like it. <laughs> Judith never likes to be in the in the in the spotlight. She she likes to be in the back. She likes right. Am I right? Okay. See, and this is why God told me to call her up here. Um, but as we were worshiping. Right, the Lord draw, draw my, drew my attention to you, and as I saw you worshiping, God just said that you are a giant. You got this small frame. You're, I mean, she's shorter than I am. She's, you know, by nobody would think that she is large in any. But the Lord spoke to me and said, "You are a giant in the spiritual realm." And when I saw you back there worshiping, my faith actually got stronger. Because I knew you were here. Yeah, uh, right? I mean, come on. When you look, right? Come on. When you look around and you see individuals and your faith grows, you know you're standing with giants, spiritual giants in the kingdom right here. And so God just want to honor you today, let you know that he sees what you do. Nobody sees, nobody sees her. You, you could be, have been attending church here for 30 years and still not know that her name is Judith and may have never met her because that's who she is. But I'm here to tell you that she is a giant in the spiritual realm, and you better take notice, and you better watch out. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hey, to more, this morning I want to talk to you, and I want to talk to you about the fact that church is essential. Church is essential. <laughs> All right, so this is a word, right? Essential is this new word. It's this new buzzword. Everything's essential now, right? It's either essential or it's not essential, and we shouldn't really be dividing things like that. But church is essential. It's mandatory. It's not just, yes, this is a trendy word, but church has always been essential. Church is vital, right? There's another word. It's vital. You can't live without it. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. You really wouldn't want to. Church is an absolute must for those who want to live a victorious life in Christ. I said church is an absolute must for those who want to live a victorious life in Christ. Yes. Actually, if you just want to live a good life, church is a must. It's an absolute must. You can't have joy and peace And all the good things that come from God without church. We don't just get together here on a Sunday morning because we like the music. Although we like the music. We don't just come here to listen to me. Yeah, there you go. Praise the Lord. Somebody likes me. Church, guys. Church is essential. And it's not just as I, we're, I, I'm, I'm speaking to the choir. you guys all know this. You guys are all here. you guys are all with me. you guys are all on the same page. You know that church is essential. But I'm here to tell you this morning that church is essential for the other six billion people on the planet too. Church is essential for everyone. And so guess what next Sunday is? Back to Church, Back to church Sunday. And so what do we want to do? Back to <laughs> We want to get people to come back to church. Why? Because church is essential. (sighs) Does it make sense? Are we all on the same page? Church is essential. Like, come on, we have to do this. We have to get other people to do this. You are living the, the good life that you found in Christ, and our job is to invite others to come and experience it with us. Church is essential. Hey, next Sunday, we're also kicking off our new sermon series. By the way, you got these little invite cards? So this makes it even easier, right? You you, you know somebody, and either you've been talking to them about Christ, but they haven't come to the Lord yet, or maybe you prayed with them. Uh, Ralph was telling me he prayed with somebody, and they, they came to the Lord last week. Take one of these cards, 10 a.m., come on out, I'll buy you lunch. We'll have lunch for guests. So you have to write on the card on the back, we just... We did miss the time, but write 10 a.m. in there if it's not there and invite people. It's just real simple. Hey, come to church next Sunday. Come to church next Sunday. I'd love to have you at church next Sunday. We would love for you to be here. And so invite people back to church Sunday. And by the way, you you notice the little balloons and the sermon series that starts next week? Next week's sermon series, we're going to start. It's called Love Does. And so this is a great sermon series, uh, whether you're saved or not saved, whether you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, or, you know, you just started your journey yesterday. This is a great sermon series. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you would love one another, that you would love one another. And so our sermon series is entitled, Love Does, and so it's going to be all about love doing. Love is a verb. Love is an action. And so we're going to look through the Bible. We're going to read some different stories. We're going to read some different scriptures. We're going to find out why love is so important. Love does. Come back next week. Bring a friend. Invite someone. Invite everyone. Summer series kicks off next week. You're going to enjoy it. Love is a verb, and love does. Amen? Amen. Today, I want to begin in hebrews 10 twenty three through twenty five uh, This should be this scripture should be no um, nothing new for any of you who have been here for a little bit. It says, "Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should not forsake the gathering together of ourselves. This is church. We should not forsake coming to church. I know that there are many Christians out there because I've talked to them. I've met them in the street. They're saved. They've been following God for a long time and they refuse to attend church. They've forsaken the assembling together of ourselves. They've forsaken the assembling together of the body. And what's happening is there is a detriment to their soul because they refuse to come for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have time. Maybe they think they don't have time. Maybe they were offended. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe church did them wrong at some point. I'm here to tell you this morning that sometimes church is here in order to hurt you, that you could learn to forgive. Does that make sense? This is why God gives us family. This is why God puts us in marriages. <laughs> so that we can learn to grow with one another. We can learn to forgive. We can learn what it means to love. How do you become patient? Only by somebody trying your patience. All of these things that love is and things of love that we're called to do only happen because we're in relationship. We get into a relationship and we get hurt once and we're like, I'm not being in that relationship anymore. No, you gotta learn to move in forgiveness. And I'm not saying you should be in a place where you're getting hurt all the time. But God wants us to learn how to forgive. We were never meant to do life alone. God said in the beginning, he created Adam. He said it is not good for him to be alone. And then he created Eve. And so now there were two and they were joined together and now there's this wonderful thing called marriage. Marriage husband and a wife together forever praise god it's going to be good and then he created community god created community it's god's idea that we dwell together it's god's idea that we live together it's god's idea that we come and we bump into one another because we 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 file off all the rough edges have you ever been up in the adirondacks hiking and you, you step into the stream, and you step on those rocks that are there, they hurt because they're sharp. They haven't traveled anywhere. They've come right off the rock fresh. They're sharp, and they hurt to step on them. But you go down to the river, you know, a few hundred miles down downstream, and the rocks are all smooth. Why is that? Because they've traveled a few hundred miles, bumping into all of the other rocks, And all of the rough edges got worn off of them. And now they're this smooth rock. Man, oh, that feels so good. I'll put my foot on that rock. Except now it's slippery a little bit when the water flows over. You see what I'm saying? And it's the same way in church. We come together. We've got all these rough edges. We've got all these deep opinions. And it's not that we're, we don't come together because we get to be able to express our opinions however we want. We come together so that we can learn to love one another and we can learn not to offend one another, and we can learn to forgive one another when we do offend one another. Church is a beautiful thing, and when you learn to do it and we learn to do it well, your life will be blessed. People don't go to church because, who knows, I don't know, they got hurt. They're not motivated. There's all these reasons. Someone said, uh, I, read, I read all the time, and I once read, find a church that's closest to you and go there and make it a better place. I was like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Now, I think you should find a church that, you know, lines up mostly with your theology and go and make it a better place. See, we have this thinking that we don't need church. Right? Sometimes you're weak. Sometimes you're strong. Weaker people have a realization that they need church because they're not strong enough, right? What happens is we all come in weak and then we grow to a point where we're strong and then many people are like, oh, well, I don't need church anymore. No, it's when you're strong that you need to begin to help someone else. If it's only weak people, who's here to help them? We're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to serve one another. Love does. Love serves. I'm giving stuff away. Our church needs people who are strong. Our church has many people who are strong. Our church needs more people who are strong. And as we grow in strength, we help those around us. We lift one another up and we do it together. Look at what Psalms says. Psalm 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, planted in the house of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on. Does anybody know anything about plants? How many of you want to be fresh and flourishing when you get older? Yeah, I want that, right? Those who are planted, you've got to find a church. You've got to set down roots. You've got to plant yourself you got to attend foundations. you got to go through membership, which is coming up, by the way. And then you got to sign up to serve somehow. Church isn't about just coming and giving, getting and receiving. Church is also about coming and giving back. How are you going to give back? When you're planted in the house of the God, when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish in the courts of the Lord, in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Old, not older, old. I, resemble that. I know. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Oh, you know, I'm a tree guy. And I walk through the woods, and a lot of times when you're walking through the woods, you can just tell an old tree. The leaves are smaller. They're not fresh. They're not flourishing. They're not growing as big as they did. A lot of times you can just see the, See the leaves and know you're looking at an old tree. But the word promises us that when we're planted in the house of the Lord in our old age, we will be fresh and flourishing. My leaves are going to be big and they're going to be green and I'm going to have flowers and I'm going to bear fruit to the glory of God. Come on. Why? Because I'm planted in the house of the Lord. I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. I will not run when it gets hard. It gets hard sometimes. 1 Corinthians, we're going to read, it's chapter 12. We're going to read from 12 through till 27. It says, For the body is one and has many members, but all of the members of that body are one. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased, just as he determined. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If we were all a mouth, where would the body be? How would we get around? Where would the feet be? Where would the hands be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts, we have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, no division in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if anyone suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all of the members rejoice with it. Now you are the the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ. And so as we look through the room out here, there are ears that will hear better, what the Spirit is saying. There are eyes out here that will see better what the Spirit is doing. There are hands out here that are going to function and do the works of the Lord, the gifts of help, better than others. There are, pe- there are feet out here that are called to bring the gospel of the Lord to different places, and they're going to do it better than others. There are legs out here. There are knees out here. There's hips. There's elbows. There's wrists. There's fingers. There's fingernails. There's hair. Every part of the body, it's all out here, or at least it should be. Maybe we need to get some more people here so that we have a more complete body so that we can do better what God has called Redeeming Love to do as a church better. And so, this is why we need to invite people next Sunday to Back to Church Sunday. So that we can be a better body than what we are. So that we can be a healthier body than what we are. So that we can have plenty of hands and plenty of feet and plenty of eyes and plenty of ears and plenty of mouthpieces. Because here's the reality, guys: is that when one of us wins, this is what Paul says: when one of us wins, we all win. And this is why we share testimonies. Because when I win, You win. When you win, I win. And when you lose, I lose. And when I lose, you lose. And this is why we share prayer requests. Praises and prayer requests. I want to know when you win. Because I win with you. When I pray for somebody and God supernaturally heals them, it's all of your fault. I mean, it's a good thing, but it's all of your fault. You all take responsibility for that. You all get credit for that. I mean, Jesus says when, you know, it credits to our account, but not just mine. Do you know how many people it takes for me to do what I need to do? It takes a lot of people. You can ask my wife. She's just one of my support team. I would, I would not stand a chance with technology if it wasn't for my son. I have intercessors who pray for me. The number of people that are lined up behind me, I'm just the front man. I just take all of the flack. But then, because I'm out in front, it's very normal that people want to give me all the glory. But it's not mine. It's all of ours. It's all of ours. We do it together. And then conversely, on the other, the other side, when we're going through something, whether it's me or somebody else, when somebody's going through something, it hurts me just like it hurts you. I mean, obviously, I'm not experiencing the physical pain, but there's sorrow in my soul when someone's going through cancer or someone's lost a loved one. There's sorrow in my soul over those things. We weep together, the word says. This is prayer requests. Write down your prayer request. We want to pray. We want to pray. We want to hold you up in prayer. And you know what? We'll make you a meal. You know what? You can't make a meal. We'll make you a meal. You, you can't do this. We'll do that. This is where small groups come in. Get, part of, get to be part of a small group. Sign up for that small group. Relationships form. And naturally, those people with those relationships with you, they're going to want to make you a meal because they know that you're hurting. They're going to kind of want to come and sit with you and lift you up because they know that you're hurting. Engage groups are the place to connect. Engaged groups is the place to form relationships. Engaged groups is the place where we go and we get help. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Matthew 16, 17 through 19 says this. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Jesus had just asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? They said, Some say one of the prophets. Some say John the Baptist. Some say this. Some say that. And who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Glory to God. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a lot tied up here about the church. Jesus is passionate about his church. Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build it. Jesus will build it. Jesus is going to build it. Jesus is building it. He wants you to... To work at it with him by inviting someone here next week. Jesus will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that God builds. Come on. I don't know. Come on. The gates of hell will not prevail. Against the church. Come on. Satan hates the church. Our enemy hates the church. The gates of hell hate the church. It's very interesting. He's talking about this spiritual battle. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates are primarily a defensive function. You know, in battle terms. what does that mean? It means that we can't be stopped. We're the church, and the gates of hell, the enemy has ground, and he's trying to protect his ground, but he can't protect his ground because the church, the church, the church, the gates of hell will not prevail. The enemy's trying to cordon off his territory and saying, hey, this is mine. You can't have it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I will give you, listen to this, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. There are secrets to the kingdom of heaven, and God wants to give those to you. How many of you want the secrets to the kingdom? He gives them to the church. He gives them to those body of believers that are dwelling together in community. And he gives more keys where they're doing it well. It's true. It's true. This is is God's plan. This is Jesus' plan to restore the whole earth to his kingdom and his dominion. It's the church. How is it going to happen? It's going to happen through the church. How is it going to happen? It's going to happen by the church going out and doing mighty exploits and declaring the glory of their God. He has given us this authority as the church. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Come on. That's a pretty great power that Jesus is handing over. But we have to be in community. We have to be together in this. Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, says this. It says, husbands, love your wife, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, with the washing of water by the word, the word of God, the Bible, that he, God, might present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. Jesus loves the church. Jesus really, really loves the church. He's very, very passionate about the church. Jesus died for his church. He died for it. He gave his life. For the church. He gave his life for the community of believers. And so when somebody begins to talk negatively about the church, I have a real problem with that. I, I have a great disdain for preachers who preach negatively regarding the church. Churches have problems, every church does. Families have problems, every family does. You know, I thought when I was, when I was growing up, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, and I did. But when I got older, I realized my family wasn't as dysfunctional as others, but it was more dysfunctional than others. And so we're just all on this scale of where's our level of dysfunction, right? So if you didn't grow up in a great family, celebrate, because none of us did. Nobody's family's perfect. If you're looking for the perfect family, it it doesn't exist. I'm here to tell you. Every family has problems. Every family has that uncle, or like, I don't want to hang around the uncle, just true. This is why we're laughing, because it's true. We all have that one relative. We're like, just don't bring up that topic. (laughs) Just don't look them in the eye. (laughs) It's fine. This is just family, guys. Family and the church. Church is no different. There's some here, and we're like, listen, just don't talk to that one about whatever. (laughs) Don't bring this up with them. This happens in the church. Why? Because it's an extension of family. We are the family of God here. The church is the family of God. We're a community of believers that God has pulled together. And there's going to be some people that you like, and there's going to be some people that you don't like. And God's called you to love them. Not just like them, but love them. And not just love them, but like them too, right? Because so many times we get over that and we're like, I'll love them, but I'm not going to like them. I don't have to like them. Yes, you do. Jesus is madly passionate about the church. Jesus died for his church. Jesus gave his life for this church. And we want to, if people want to talk bad about the church. Listen, don't talk bad about what Jesus loves. Jesus is in love with that, and you're going to talk bad about it. I have an issue with you. Obviously, there's issues. Obviously, there's problems. Obviously, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I go too long on a Sunday. Not today. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to get offended. You, right? Offenses are sure to come. Jesus said, offenses are sure to come. God designed the whole thing, He put us in relationships so that we can be offended. But the glorious thing is that we can choose to not pick up the offense we can grow to the point in forgiveness where we become unoffendable. I saw this recently in a, in a national publication. Somebody stole my word, unoffendable. The audacity. <laughs> they must have heard my message. We are, un- go to a point where you're unoffendable. Offenses come and you're just like, I'm just not gonna pick it up. I'm just not gonna be offended. I know that they don't like what I did and I know that, you know, and I'm just not gonna be offended at the fact that they're mad at me or that they said, You know, that I look like I have two horns today because that's the way my hair is. I'm not going to be offended. (laughs) Can't tell if I'm prophesying. (laughs) Oh, you guys are great. This is awesome. Listen, God loves the church. He wants nothing more than for you and I to come here to get plugged in, to serve. Listen, there's a board there on the back. We need help for this big day next Sunday. We're expecting lots of people. I'm expecting this room to be filled to capacity, no empty seats next week. So I'm going to need you. We want food. We're going to have some games. We're going to have a lot of stuff going on, and we need help. And you're the church, and I'm asking you for help. Go back to that sign-up board today. Sign up for something. Sign up to help next week because... We're going to have an awesome time. And you know what? I'll guarantee you right now that you're going to sign up to serve, and you're going to do more than everybody else, and then you have the opportunity right then and there to be offended because you worked harder than everybody else. You have that opportunity. There's the offense. You can pick it up, or you can say, you know what? I just served. I, I did it for the Lord. Maybe I did more than everybody else. Maybe I didn't do more than everybody else. Maybe I'm just blind. Maybe I can't see. But I refuse to pick up the defense. I'm just going to keep loving. I'm just going to keep serving. You know what? I, I serve, and I'll serve, and I'll serve, and I'll serve, and I'll serve. Do you know how I got to where I am? By serving. We started with our kids cleaning the bathrooms, and it just kept going, vacuuming carpets. Uh, serve, then we served in wherever, youth group. You need me here. You need me there. We were on the greeter team for a while. We did this. We did that. We served. We ser- I served in um, nursery and children's church. I taught children's church for 10 years before I ever started to help with youth group. Serve and serve and serve. I've been in the church for 28 years. I've been serving for 28 years, 29 years, I think. Uh, 29 years. It'll be 30 next year. It'll be 30 this year for you. Glorious, glorious, glorious. God puts us together so that we can bump around with one another. And we can rub off the rough edges. Mm -hmm. And then we can become the glorious bride that he originally intended. The whole thing. The whole thing the whole purpose. Why, do we, why did God give me 70 years here? I'm saved. Why didn't he just take me to heaven? Why did he leave me here? Two reasons. Number one, he wants me to bring others with me. And number two, he wants to work off my rough edges. And so I've got 78.6 years is the average to be able to work off the rough edges. I'm actually down to about 28.6 if we go according to that. I've got a few more years to work off the rough edges, and I think God's doing a pretty good job so far but I know that there's still some rough edges and I still offend people sometimes because God wants us to bring us to this place where we're perfect and mature and everything we do is done out of love. One last plug for love and then we'll, we'll pray and end. Love fulfills the law love is the completion of the law. When Jesus was questioned, they said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. If we could love God well, If we could love God correctly and love our brothers and sisters correctly, we could take this portion of our Bible and rip it out and throw it away. But we don't. And so we're all learning to love. We're all learning to love. Love isn't just some Cupid feeling that we feel. Love begins with serving and sacrifice, providing, and protecting. Love begins by doing. Love does. Amen. So much more to come on Love Does. I'm excited. That's going to be a great sermon series. If you are here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, you've never experienced this gloriousness of what church is, I want to invite you to come to Jesus this morning. Enter into relationship with Him. Enter into relationship with us here our vision is simple. It's engage God, engage church, engage culture. That means we're going to connect with God on a deep and meaningful level. We're going to connect with one another here at church on a deep and meaningful level. We're going to bump around. We're going to get offended. We're going to offend. We're going to have to forgive. We're going to learn to love. And we're going to engage culture. We're going to connect with those outside the church, and we're going to invite them and say, hey, Live your best life. Come to church. Not saying it's all going to be roses, but the thorns will be beautiful. If you're here today and you, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. On your Engage card, there's a little box that says, Today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. Online, if you're watching with us, you can check that same box online. Check that box. I'm going to send you some information about what it means to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and what your next steps are in following Him. First and foremost, one of the biggest points is get into a church. Get into a church and belong there. Belong there. Begin to serve there. Attend the small groups there. Go through membership there. Go through foundations class there. Church is important to your life as a Christian. If that's you today, check that box. Let me know afterwards. I would love to just celebrate with you. Let's just pray and end, and then we're going to receive the offering this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this message today. God, we give you glory and honor and praise for you alone are worthy. And God, we just, uh, we ask you to come. Cause us to be the church. Cause us to forgive. Help us to forgive. Help us to love the way that you would have us to love. God, we give you our all, and we submit to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.